0: If you blink now, forever hold your dying wish When you set your goal, don't give up on it Remind yourself every morning, noon and night I was born for this, and it's worth the fight Hey
1: guys, as you know, each and every episode is pre-recorded for your listening pleasure You can find each and every episode on Spotify, Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, where you can leave me a voice message over on Anchor, or head over to Apple, leave me a review. Five-star ratings are always welcomed. Uh, I've never had a family member on my show, but there's a first time for everything, guys. This week's guest is amazing. I have my middle brother, Matt Swick. You know, we always butt heads through all of our lives and stuff, but we still try to get along. You know, he'll be talking about his new business ventures and stuff with um, starting gardens for people who have extra space and getting into urban farming and stuff. And he also talks about some crazy adventures he's had. You know, he used to live up in the Hidegway Islands, which formerly are known as the Queen Charlotte Islands, way up near Alaska in Canada there. And he's, you know, been venturing out in the ocean, watching humpback whales, getting lost on a skiing and snowboarding adventure in the outback in the, in the Rocky Mountains out in BC. That was quite the venture. He'll let you know all about that. You know, lots of value in this episode if you guys are looking for urban farm and getting into urban farming and stuff. But let's take it away and get right into this episode, guys. But before we do, I just want you to know that this show is about sharing everyone's story. does not matter what walk of life you come from. Everyone's story is valuable to me here. So if you'd like to share your story, please reach out to me at depthsofdarkside on Instagram or depthsofdarkside at gmail.com is where you can catch me. And I'll send you a link you can sign up and let's get you on the show guys. Now let's bust right into this episode.
0: Cause you are enough You were created tough In the image of unlimited strength and love If you blink now i miss
1: it if you blink now. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast from the depths of darkness to the light of success. I'm your host Chris Swick and this podcast is proudly brought to you by my sponsor Compass 9 Media, your podcast branding specialist. Go check them out over on Instagram guys, Compass 9 Media. And with no further ado, I got an awesome guest from the west coast this week you know it's my own damn brother matt swick but yeah take it away and let them know a little bit about yourself i know a hell of a lot about you
0: well um, uh, been living out west for what 12 years now chris something like that like yeah 2008 i don't know been traveling around a lot out here uh cooked for a living for a, a long time trying to get out of that and start up uh an urban gardening company and uh try and grow food in uh, people's backyards and unused garden space.
1: That's amazing. And uh, you, do you have a company name yet?
0: Yeah. Uh, Forage and Feast Urban Farm.
1: And they can find that over on Instagram.
0: Facebook. Yeah.
1: And Facebook, you said? Yeah. Nice. And, and what got you started on that garden idea and stuff like that? What what came? How'd that come about?
0: more of a survival thing at the beginning of the pandemic. So yeah, I don't know, just kind of went with it, built uh, five garden beds and bought a whole lot of pots and started, started growing lots of food, learned about companion planting and how to amend soil naturally and keep a healthy, healthy environment and stuff.
1: Well, what made you want to get into that though?
0: uh yeah just love your food and uh trying to learn a little bit more and be a little bit more secure i guess you know one of the secure. only things you need in life is food water and shelter
1: you had said that you had uh were struggling with anxiety like how does your anxiety come about
0: Uh, i think just thinking about the future and possibilities and stuff just let my mind kind of get away you know yeah. Gardening was kind of like a nice little outlet or whatever that way. And, you know, it was a great way to learn about how to grow food. And uh, kind of just take my mind off other things, you know, and plus it's really nice to have plants all around.
1: No, most definitely plants are awesome. It gives off oxygen, natural oxygen and stuff like that. What types of plants and stuff are you uh, planting?
0: Uh, lots of different heirloom uh, seeds. Try to use different companies from all over Canada uh a couple on the west coast of the states as well um yeah a lot of medicinal herbs and a lot of tomatoes going to be doing a lot of different cucumbers that a lot of people haven't seen uh, for a while or haven't seen before at all and yeah a uh, little bit of different squashes and then lots of different lettuces trying to have uh things that are uh quick turnovers so you you get the most out of the the product and space then and then you're uh, always adding something else, or whatever. By the next thing you're planting, so kind of having a succession planting plan, or whatever, to to yeah, to facilitate like you know the best harvest I could possibly have.
1: And have you? Do you have a garden space right now out in Victoria there for yourself to start? Or
0: oh, well, uh, so far I've got uh, three people signed up. Uh, this nice lady out by Kamosin College, uh, it's a little bit more of a rural area. So I got about a third of an acre. I get to garden there. So in exchange for me building uh, boxes and uh, making everything happen, I kind of exchange services for the free use of the space. So space that's not getting used, people are letting me use it just to build garden boxes and uh, teach them teach them how to make their own food.
1: And so what are you getting in return from them or what are you giving them in return, are you paying for this space or are you giving them free food or free, uh, uh, a
0: little bit of free food. And then the service or whatever in uh, almost, almost landscaping, but making it into a manageable little food heaven for them afterwards. So I try to sign a contract for one to three years, just depending on the space and time it's going to take to build everything. And uh, in exchange for that, I don't uh, pay rent or pay for water or electricity and get to use their space. They get food out of it. I get to take 75% of the produce that we grow. And yeah, it just really helps mitigate costs while giving back to the community as well.
1: That's awesome, man, that you're doing that for yourself. And so what's it been like trying to find people to offer your services to? Are you you finding it tough?
0: Not at all. Uh, A couple of posts and gardening sites. And yeah, it was pretty easy. We have an elderly population that's uh, pretty predominant in Victoria. You know, it's uh, the home of the nearly dead or newly wed. It's either everyone's really young or they're, uh, they're kind of on their way out. So a lot of people just can't manage their gardens anymore. So there's a lot of unused space. So a lot of cities like Victoria and Saanich are coming out with new plans for people to be able to urban farm and utilize that space to be able to produce food that's really close to home. So my goal is that I don't have to utilize... Um, anything with uh, gas or, you know, any sort of engine at all, I'm going to be doing everything by hand but making it really easy by using raised garden beds so it mitigates with uh, weeds and pests and other things like that and gives me a chance to mend the soil that I want and build a, a really healthy environment for the plants to grow. Um, yeah, but it's it's relatively easy to, whatever I think, to find people, it's just the regulations sometimes that are still in place that the council hasn't met on yet uh they're making it a little tougher but
1: what types of things are they uh like uh against i guess
0: it's just uh the sale of vegetables being grown on someone else's property so on the property that i rent at i can grow and if i'm in a find a property in a rural area like i did out by camosun i can grow there but i can't grow on other people's properties within the region the kicker is you can go about 400 meters down the road into Victoria and the rules are different. If I lived in Victoria, it would be a little different, but I live in Sanich, So yeah, just, uh, just the regulations that are out there right now. So it's a little bit of a slow process, but yeah, just approaching uh, the council now and trying to get them uh, to kind of pass a more lenient bill that kind of coincides with Victoria being the, the major city around here. And, yeah, just make it a little easier for the business to thrive later on. But just working with what I got right now.
1: And that's all you can do is work with what you got in the meantime. And, you know, do with what you have sort of thing, as the old saying is, and do what you can do and keep pushing forward. Along that, like you said, you. so how, what got you into cooking originally, Matt?
0: Uh, I think it was uh, cooking with mom and cooking with grandma we uh, I remember like some of the fondest memories you know like around Christmas time or a holiday and stuff just hanging out with grandma in the kitchen or after the Thanksgiving parade we go back to her house and have Chelsea buns I don't know there's always good memories associated with cooking you get to kind of be there for those those memories for people you know. Yeah, everyone always goes out for dinner at either an anniversary, a birthday, a major event in their life or something. And you have to be a part of that almost every day. So like the instant gratification almost.
1: And, it's, and it makes you feel good that you created that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: And where, what types of places have you worked at along the way? Like you've been all over out west. You started over here in Ontario, went to college and... Then you headed out west, really, right after college and didn't look back.
0: Yeah, the day I finished my last class, I was on a plane.
1: <laughs> yeah, what, what, what drew you out west?
0: Uh, I think it was the mountains. I don't know. It's You get that awe feeling about being in the middle of nature and stuff all the time. I really didn't uh, feel like going to an office every day of my life or buying a house at that point and tying myself down. Just wanted to travel and see new places, meet new people, see new perspectives. Plus, snowboarding every day didn't hurt.
1: Yeah, the mountains would be really nice. Like you originally first of, first went out to Alberta, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, first time I went out, I was like 15 or 16. And I went out to visit our cousin Nathan and, yeah, fell in love with uh, Banff and that whole area. So the first place I moved uh, after college was to Lake Louise, right in Banff National Park, but a little bit further away. But, yeah, it was beautiful. Got to live beside Lake Louise for two years and, you know, like nothing, nothing really gets better than, you know, getting up in the morning, a little bit hungover from the night before and then hopping in the lake, kind of, you know, wash it all the way, get ready for work.
1: That'd be really refreshing in that glacial lake.
0: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of tourists that never got pictures with us just by jumping in. They're like, you're crazy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that would be insane, man, especially with how cold it was, depending what time of the year it was, too. Well,
0: every time of the year, it's a glacial lake. It's cold all the time.
1: Ah, it might be warm once in a while if you take a pee in it.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so what were you doing exactly a year ago that's different than today?
0: A year ago, well, I was working at a catering company that was dealing with uh, government agencies So, you know, working a decent nine-to-five job or whatever, a little easier going, didn't have to work late nights.
1: And then COVID hit,
0: like, well, right around that time, right? Like, first thing I heard about it was in January, You had a post or whatever that uh, they were notifying the the World Health Organization was notifying countries and stuff. And then, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then it sort of took a halt for everyone, for sure. And then, yeah, you know, end up working at a long-term care facility. Yeah you know cooking for the older people and stuff like that but it seems that you enjoy it there and but
0: well yeah again i just wanted to try and give a little something back you know i didn't know what to do and i figured it was a good way to be able to still be social and be an essential worker you know you you get to help somebody or whatever especially during this time so i just know how good it is to have a good home-cooked meal when you know you're having a tough day and a lot of the seniors at our place have had a lot of tough days especially not being able to see everybody on a regular basis, not being able to all come out at the same time. So uh, it's pretty hard on them.
1: Yeah, it, it would be very hard, especially on the older people as well. You know, having this routine for all these years and then all of a sudden, no, you can't do any of that.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, it's hard on everyone, you know, let alone them.
0: No, exactly.
1: So what do you really love in life, man?
0: i uh, love nature love nature adventures trying new things yeah i don't know i think experiences that's what i love in life
1: yeah lo- life is one big experience that's for sure
0: 100 percent. like i don't know i've never really gone to too, too many protests or ever before but went to some this summer and you know seen what it was all about and listened to some great stories from people and yeah i got to you know, build up this little business that I'm starting now. You know, uh, been been all over, been up to Langara or whatever at the tip of the Haida Gwaii. gone fishing there.
1: Yeah, how is that up there, like out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on an island?
0: Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful. Like one of the most, uh, one of the big, most ancient uh, villages or whatever in the Haida Gwaii. that's uh, dated back almost ten thousand years now. They found artifacts in the Pacific Ocean and dated back that long. So, That's like, the kind like of people have been up there for that long. They were insane. There were huge, huge populations there. Towns and villages of, you know, 10,000, 100,000 people. And that was, like, you know, between seven and 8,000 years ago.
1: That's crazy to know the history.
0: There's still, like, black volcanic rock everywhere, a lot of activity or whatever, like, earthquake-wise. You're, you're not protected by anything. We are at, like, the last island in the North Pacific before you hit America. So, you know, we came out of the pass every morning to go fishing, and you see the sunrise over the Valdez mountain range there, seeing, like, you know, orcas breaching, and seeing, like, humpback whales coming up beside your boat as you're trying to fish for your salmon.
1: That's crazy, the experience to, to experience, like, humpback whales and stuff. and
0: Oh, it's insane. It was cool because they, like, started to notice you. Like they would come up and like, you know, take a look at you or whatever with their huge eyes, It's like the size of like, uh, I don't know, a small soccer ball, I guess. Like us
1: be surreal to have that happen and stuff like that. I've, I've seen other videos or people have posted with whales kind of, but never experienced that once in my life. That'd be something cool to experience before I pass for sure.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, whales are pretty cool creatures, and yeah, super interesting. Always learning more about them, you know. And yeah, I don't know. A lot of the environments that are being created or whatever aren't the best for them, you know. Making more pipelines doesn't seem like the smartest option if you want to protect something like that, which is a apex predator, and you know, our environment on the in the Pacific.
1: Yeah, that's a whole another debate. That's for sure, man. It's who knows what's going to keep going on there. It's just an ongoing issue. That's for sure. Hundred percent. So when did you know that you wanted to take this entrepreneurial path? Like I asked you a little earlier, you said at the beginning of COVID, but what was it? What was the final straw? I don't know. I I want to do it I've
0: always worked for somebody else, you know? So you always work so hard and you only have such menial uh, advances or whatever that happened. A lot of the jobs became stagnant or whatever with wages and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. Better time than ever, you know, like, don't have anything holding me back. So don't have any kids or anything right now. Uh, figure it's better time than never to try and get something going.
1: Why not? There's no better time than now to try.
0: Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, trying to live in the moment, you know?
1: No, exactly. Just be present and live in the moment. That's the, all you can do. What's the most shocking moment ever of, in your life?
0: Most shocking? Yeah. There's probably a few moments that I like put it out there or whatever, most shocking. Like it's such a broad topic or whatever. Because it could be like current events, it could be something that happened to me. It could be, you know, something I seen. Pick one. There's too many. There's too well, many. Well, there's people. what's
1: the most shocking? Pick one.
0: I think uh probably getting lost on Rebel Stoke Mountain. Yeah. Well, tell us that
1: about that out, one.
0: Having the hike out for 13 hours. So like I was going down, I was going for one last run with my buddies. And you know, we were gonna go down for lunch afterwards, get lost uh, by going past the second cat track in Revelstoke. End up uh, funneling myself out into this river. And you know, I knew I couldn't get hike, hike back up. The terrain was just too steep. The trees were too tight. It just wasn't possible to like, you know, waste all that energy just cause I didn't really know where I was. Uh, anyways, I had to hike out this river all the way to the Columbia, and it took like 13 hours so it's freaking ridiculous like freaking like just i figured i stay by the river that way you know just in case or whatever i don't make it out like during the night at least i have water close by and stuff at least i at least i have like one thing i need or whatever that's right by there you know and then uh yeah i got down to the road first uh right i made or whatever there was a driveway right there i went up to the people's house knock on their door it's probably like 1.32 in the morning at this point. And then, yeah, they open the door or whatever, like, oh, we've been expecting you. So his house, middle of the woods, friggin' tells me they're expecting me. But then later I find out that, like, a lot of people who get lost on the mountain get lost in the same area. They, uh, yeah, they, they get funneled right out to this person's house almost every time. So they just notify them every time someone goes missing and then they just keep an eye out for them. So they invited me in the house, gave me some tea and a banana.
1: Perfect. Perfect end to the day. Yeah. How was the walk off though?
0: Horrible. Horrible. Like in the middle of the woods by yourself. You don't know if you're gonna make it out or not, if you're gonna ever like see see people again. Kind of start like thinking like things in your head.
1: Were you disoriented?
0: No, I knew where I was, like you're on a mountain or whatever. I knew what side you knew where you
1: were, you were on a mountain. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I knew I was on the mountain. I knew where I was uh, in comparison to the Columbia River. So, like, I knew if I could make it to the Columbia River, I could make it or whatever, like, right back up. I knew I'd just head north or whatever on the Columbia and go against it and head back up to Revelstoke. So, I knew I could get back to town or whatever. It wasn't, like, no question about that. I, like, had that kind of bearing, you know. But it was just a long, long walk.
1: <laughs> it's just a couple feet.
0: Yeah, it was like so I did like the on a map or whatever, like the distance I traveled, it was almost like 28 kilometers, but in like wasty powder right along a river. So it was just like, you know, trees falling everywhere and stuff and rocks everywhere, things slipping out underneath your feet. It wasn't a nice 27 kilometers. <laughs>
1: you did her though man some of those thoughts though probably going through your head you're like what the hell is going on or here with all these wild animals
0: well yeah you started like when the sun went down or whatever it started getting creepy you know at least it wasn't freezing that night like rebel stoke's like pretty warm it's like the one the only inland rainforest in the world right like they they get like almost 72 feet 70 feet on average or whatever snow a year
1: Holy like cow. imagine
0: like going down the road and it's just a wall of snow <laughs> but yeah it wasn't it wasn't below freezing it was like you know like three or four degrees at night so it was like yeah, that was my saving grace if it was freezing it probably would have been a different story but
1: yeah you would have had to walk faster
0: yeah exactly or <laughs>
1: right, tell us about the time that you went out west that one time and you like got in that car accident
0: oh car accident outside of west louise lodge yeah i was heading back with my buddy with his girlfriend's uh jimmy and, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, we got up in the morning. We got to Lake Louise to visit some of our friends from Revelstoke. Right when I came out, like, out west the second time. I came back for, like, nine months and then went back out. And, uh, yeah, we drove to Rebel, uh, with, uh, Lake Louise from Revelstoke. So, like, 200 kilometers away. No snow on the road. Get up the next morning, snow everywhere. But because the wa- the ground's warm or whatever, you know, it snowed, like, two feet overnight. So there's slush all over the road. Going past this one turn or whatever, I'm doing 20 kilometers under the speed limit. Like speed limit's like 90 there or whatever, you know, but you got to go like drive relative to conditions. So I go like 20 kilometers under thinking it's slow enough and then hit this puddle slush. And then, uh, yeah, realize that the Jimmy probably only had like really bald all seasons so or, you know, summer tires on. So trying to pump the brakes and it wasn't doing anything. Just felt the car start to fishtail and swerve. The next thing I know, we hit the median and stuff. Luckily, we were wearing our seatbelts, rolled three times into a river. And then luckily, we ended up face up and, yeah, look over my buddy Frisco, who I was with at the time, and, you know, ask him, and, Senka, you dead, man? <laughs> he's like, no, man. <laughs> and like, okay, a lucky are like, i probably get out of the car, because we're in the middle of a river right now. Then next thing we know, we, like, walk up to the road. And trying to wave down like a truck to call for help or whatever, you know, get a tow truck, something like that. And yeah, uh, he said the only reason he stopped was because my whole face is bloody. And I like look at him, like think he's crazy, and then put my hand on my face, comes out all red. I hit my head on the window on the way on the uh, one of the rolls or whatever. Didn't even notice. And then yeah, going in the wild. ambulance to Golden.
1: To Golden, B.C. Yeah. This happened in Alberta, though, right?
0: Uh, no, no. West Louise Lodge or whatever's uh, just outside of there. Uh, but, anyways, we we uh, were closer to Golden, anyways, to a hospital. So the closest okay. hospital was Golden.
1: And what, what ended up happening? Did you just walk away with a couple scratches?
0: A couple scratches, yeah. A couple stitches above the eye. That's about it.
1: That's not too bad.
0: No, yeah, luckily.
1: What do you think is totally inappropriate but is commonly seen in today's society? I don't know. Nothing going on in today's society that you feel is totally inappropriate, but it's very commonly seen.
0: I think uh disregard or whatever for for like your fellow neighbor, or you know, uh I think not showing empathy enough is is common or whatever in our society, but is totally inappropriate. Because it kind of like, you know, doesn't let you lift the veil or whatever of the biases that are created in our society towards certain groups or certain people or certain distinctions. And yeah, I think I think people need to be able to open their eyes more and kind of uh, see into someone else's life that, you know, I think it could be better.
1: For sure. I, I think it would totally add value to everyone's character if everyone did that that's for sure but
0: yeah we'll get it like there's a spot in uh i think it's norway and sweden where they have these things called um living libraries where literally you can go in and sign out like a person ethnicity region of the world they're from background everything and you sit there and you listen for 30 minutes like their story that they have to share and, that's, that's you know, I cool. think that would be like a cool thing that like we could kind of take on and give people more of a inside perspective or whatever into someone's thought pattern or the way why they way they are, or why they think the way they do, you know, kind of just open your perspective a little wider to, to learning more about your neighbors and stuff. You know,
1: I like that one. That's an awesome one, dude. I love it. I love it. What was the one most important thing you learned from our parents?
0: Yeah, always, always work hard. I think our parents, they, they work hard their whole lives, you know, they were always there for us and, you know, just being, uh, being accountable, I guess they were always accountable for everything they did. And yeah, I totally, totally commend them for, for trying to instill that into us.
1: Nice. That's that's really good words. I like that, man. Yeah. I thought of other things too, but that's a good one too. What piece of advice would you give college graduates who want to become entrepreneurs?
0: Forget everything you learned. (laughs) Well, don't forget everything. Like keep those finances in check, you know, like checks and balances that way. But I don't know, open new perspectives or whatever, right? Things don't need to be into a cookie cutter uh, box or whatever, you know, you can think up new ideas to do and, you know, engage in the community and make those changes you want in the world or whatever through your business and stuff. And yeah, I think I think like business nowadays or whatever is more inclined to to kind of give back something to the community or whatever as well, right? That's what I'm trying to do with my business. And that's what I think a lot of other places are trying to do. There's a place out here called 10 Tree. I don't know if you've seen their t-shirts or whatever, but, you know, they have their own tree farm. So for every t-shirt you buy, they plant 10 trees every hat you buy they plant 10 trees. So that's why it's called 10 tree. But like you know they're re- helping reforest the world or whatever, you know, doing it that way. So I think I think just opening your your mind up to be able to help other people I think it's going to make like your business better for the future and then make your community stronger, you know.
1: Nice. I I I really like that and I like that 10 tree company that i'm gonna have to look that one up that's pretty cool man I, i like what they're doing with uh planting the 10 trees for each purchase sort of thing that's awesome
0: yeah no i think it's a great concept or whatever you know it's really not that expensive like when you think about it to pay a company to plant a tree while they play uh the tree planters i think it's like between 10 and 25 cents a tree so at the end of the day, it's really not that much nominal, not much or whatever to add that onto the value of something, right? An extra $2 or something onto it. It's, I don't know, I think it's worthwhile to buy something that's gonna be able to put that back into the world. At least, you know, like the, the products they're using, they try to use uh, ethically sourced things as well, you know, trying to end like those child labor camps that they have everywhere else. and. It just being, I think being conscious about things like that are going to just like kind of push our world forward, you know?
1: For sure. You have to be conscious about what's going on around you out in the world and stuff like that. You really do. You have to be conscious of your surroundings and everything you're putting into yourself today and stuff like that. So, you know, there's lots of foods out there that make you feel differently and stuff like that. Take those out and you actually do feel better.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, everyone's got their different bodies, different blood types, different uh, ways they digest things, different problems and stuff, right? So
1: I thought we were all the same.
0: (laughs) Everyone's different.
1: Oh, I know. (laughs) If you had the chance, man, to take off and just disconnect from the society we live in and go live with a tribe you didn't know anything about, would you?
0: Yeah, most definitely.
1: Oh, yeah. Which one would you choose? if you know of one
0: it'd be like in like Papua new guinea or something but
1: that'd be cool like what just to go learn their culture
0: what i've already done though like you know a lot of fishing lodges i lived in areas or whatever where there were a lot of our own native populations and that wasn't something we kind of grew up with in kitchener so it kind of opened my eyes or whatever already to doing that you know like i live beside uh a reserve in um, Cayucet. And like, that's their homeland. Like that's where these people have been for like 3000 years and stuff. And just like seeing like some of their like traditions and things that happened when people died, you know, like you got taken away on this massive giant canoe by the whole tribe, All the elders and stuff kind of took you away to like their burial grounds and stuff and had this massive celebration of your life. And They waited a year and then had a huge potlatch or whatever after a year. So everyone's had a chance to kind of let you linger in their thoughts and stuff. And then you celebrated everything about that person. I don't know. It's just like super cool cultural stuff like that. But also they were more one with nature. So that was super cool to see. They respected nature a lot more. They kind of, you know, took their time and they wanted to be a part of nature. Always wanted to go hunting or fishing or go you know just going out for a boat ride or whatever just to be at one with the ocean and stuff like it was super cool
1: and you got to experience some of the stuff that they did
0: yeah 100 percent. you got to make a lot of friends in the the villages and stuff right there's people like me and you but
1: no i understand like is this when you were working up in the islands
0: uh that was when i was in uh murphy's sport fishing lodge in uh so north vancouver island So it wasn't in the Haida but in the Haida even like we got to go over and we got to see their village and stuff like the one where the longhouses or whatever were built on top of each other for thousands of years. Like they have uh, proof or whatever from bones and uh, dirt that kept getting put into the place when they kept rebuilding them and stuff after a war with another village or another people or, you know, something else that happened. Just, you know, life happening at the time or whatever, whatever it was like 7000 years ago. But yeah, you got to like see that, live that. And you got to go to like places like there um, that were, you know, nature's like little secret hidden gems. They had little bays there or whatever that we got dropped off on that, you know, maybe we're the only people that are going to be on there or whatever for, you know, the whole year. It was right after Fukushima happened and probably like two or three years later is when I was up there. So we started seeing things float in from the ocean or whatever on the beach that was from that.
1: From the from over in Japan there
0: yeah exactly like uh
1: what were some of the cool things that you found
0: uh glass balls so glass balls come from like fishing nets and stuff that are used or whatever in a lot of asian countries and a lot of them are like hand blown or like from a long time ago but then the currents just carry them across the pacific or whatever right so like that's what yeah yeah I don't know. you start to learn or whatever about like all the currents and how they all work and where all the cycles are or whatever that keep like floating everything around right
1: nice that's that's pretty sweet actually did you did you keep one of those glass balls
0: yeah i still have it somewhere in my closet
1: I'm just buried away yeah nice man that, that'd be a cool souvenir
0: yeah no it's pretty cool yeah they said it was pretty rare to find and then that day there were 16 of us there and we found 16 of them
1: they each got one
0: yeah they said it was like impossible like freaking like you go to the beach a thousand times again and they'll never happen again <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, they probably get stuff floating in all the time
0: yeah 100 there's always things floating in or whatever it's just uh, the way the currents work right this keeps pushing things around
1: exactly just pulls things everywhere what do you think people undervalue today buddy
0: other people's opinions you know i find like a lot of people or whatever don't take the time to actually listen to what people have to say to force judgment but then that creates even more of a fight So everyone starts name calling each other over the simplest things. Sometimes when we're just trying to make a point, a lot of points are whatever opposed to uh, supposed to like poke fun at somebody or something opposed to, you know, talking about an actual idea or something. I think, uh, I think we actually like started talking about ideas and thinking about ways to improve things. I think, uh, I think we got a bright future. I don't know. I think a lot of people have a lot of great ideas out there. Just, uh, think people need to start listening to each other a little more yeah
1: work with one another not against one another
0: 100 percent,
1: most definitely I, I do uh hear you out on that one for sure man now can people come follow you do you have like a social media pages for your business and stuff matt
0: yeah yeah you can follow me at forage and feast uh urban farm i'm on instagram i'm on facebook right now i'm going to be at the if you're out west or you're in uh, Victoria area, come to the Squamal Farmer's Market starting April 1st.
1: Oh, you're going to be there uh, selling vegetables?
0: Yeah, I have a farm stand there, and then I'm going to try and get into the Jane's Bay uh, Farmer's Market. A lot of the other bigger ones, it's harder to get into because a lot of the people have been coming back for so many years. But...
1: Yeah, for sure, but you got to start somewhere, dude.
0: Yeah, these people gave me a call back, so I'm going to be selling vegetables and uh, microgreens there all summer.
1: Nice, man. Just every Saturday?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be every Saturday, every Saturday morning till I think like four o'clock in the afternoon or until I right. sell out. Hopefully I sell out fast. Some Saturdays Just have the Saturday off, you know, and just pick up and leave and leave a sign there be like, okay, well, come back next week.
1: No, that's awesome, man. You know, so yeah. Anyone out that way in BC guys go check Matt out at the, what's the farmer's market name again?
0: It's going to be the Squimalt farmer's market in, uh, Squimalt, uh, British Columbia, so it's right beside, uh, right beside Victoria. It's essentially like kind of like the tri cities where you are. You know, like everything's kind of same, but there's like a little imaginary line after one street, and you're in a different city.
1: Perfect. Yeah, no, I just had a guest on too that uh, is from out that way too. Sarah Smith. You know, you guys will have to connect or something. You have to go check them out at the market and get your veggies, Sarah, if you're listening. But. But yeah, no, that's awesome dude, and I'm super proud of you for that and stuff, man. And
0: yeah, I'm super so proud of you too. Like, I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts and stuff, and you're know, having some great guests on. I was asking like great questions. Definitely came a long way. A lot more out of your shell now than you were like, you know, even a year ago before you started this, right? I remember like being one of the first people to to donate to your your GoFundMe campaign to get your mic there and everything.
1: Yeah, man, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, man. man it means a lot for sure. Yeah, no, know, it's, it's been a fun journey and most definitely doing this. Just keep going strong.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: So what big decision will have an impact on your future? A huge impact.
0: Well, in the fall, I'm going to go back to school. Uh, I've done the cooking gig for long enough. I'm going to try and uh, adapt something new. I'm gonna. Uh, I've already applied uh, kind of like for an open uh, program for a, U, uh, a university transfer after two years. So I'm going to acquire 60 credits and then use those credits or whatever in grades to be able to transfer into a degree program. So it's kind of like open 60 credits. I don't know, it seemed pretty interesting because then I can take any courses I want and then make my own like first two years of university up or whatever that way. So I'm going to take some science courses, um, Uh, you know, medical courses, some stuff, whatever to do with law. Trying to just, you know, figure out what I want to do next. So yeah, I think like how I do in those courses, and
1: have you decided which way you want to go for your degree yet?
0: Uh, I think no matter what I decide, I think afterwards I still want to go to law school. So I eventually want to want to just be able to help people out or whatever in you know a way that I think I'd be able to help people out. I I got some. You know, some admirable, admirable traits uh, that I want to want to be able to share with people, you know? Be able to kind of help out the little guy or whatever, but use the system that we got or whatever to be able to do it.
1: That's cool, man. Well, I, I wish you all the best in, in doing that. I think that's an awesome idea, man. And I hope you uh, succeed in that, man. Cheers, Chris. Before we go and stuff, I've got one question, though, man. Do you have any, like, conspiracy theories that you believe in?
0: I think everyone's got a conspiracy theory they believe in. I don't oh, know. So they're, what's they're, the one at
1: the top of your list?
0: I think there's puns or whatever. I don't know. There's different information that's being shared all the time about certain situations or whatever to kind of make you question stuff, right? Like all the conspiracy theories or whatever that I've heard spit around the last six to eight months or whatever. I think a lot of them are this leaning towards creating violence and kind of pushing people towards that that edge or whatever, right? Kind of gaining people to to come together in one way and then pushing them in a direction and stuff. Um, you know, I don't know. I think conspiracies or whatever are just that, right? Like I think there's conspiracies all the time all around us.
1: What well, which one do you want to make up tonight?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> you don't know.
0: No, I don't know. There's there's lots. There's lots. We like, could, there's so many we, we could go thro-
1: plant toilet paper trees if you want.
0: Yeah, Yo, we could. You could.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know. There's so many or whatever conspiracies, right? But then they've been debunked or whatever, and they aren't conspiracies anymore. Things or whatever that actually happen. But then, you know, people say they don't. Just because they say they don't millions of times over and over at conferences, you know, doesn't mean that they're, they're right. But. It's so super crazy or whatever what people's words or whatever can do.
1: No, exactly. Conspiracies or
0: whatever that are made up everywhere or whatever. I've seen like the intrinsic value or whatever of the propaganda spread sometimes. Like right now or whatever, there's a conspiracy theory that all the frozen uh, windmills in Texas are the reason why all the power's out.
1: No, it's because there's there's private...
0: Exactly. Finally, someone, someone who does some research. <laughs>
1: they're all. It's a private sector. There's like ten percent that's public down there for power. I was talking to someone that I know in Texas, and they're so far right wing in that state that that's why it's all private. They don't want to share it.
0: <laughs> 80, 80 to 90% or whatever of their power structure is caused by fossil fuels or whatever down there. Right. And then these companies, they don't want to, what's it called? They don't want to store power. It's not a regulation like it is here. Like a lot of the power companies have to store power in case there's a, like a problem with the grid. So they can still supply people with power or whatever in case of an emergency situation. Right. Yeah, and they don't have to down there because there's zero regulation
1: exactly
0: so it's like they created their own problem and then they try to blame instantly like these fossil fuel companies come out and try and blame other people right like they make the conspiracy up or whatever to try and sway it and then even today i started seeing these things or whatever about the wind turbines or whatever being there so i found another article and i put it out there you know oh it's crazy up in the arctic at their research facility completely used uh solar power and wind power to power everything there it's just there's a deicing component or whatever that you can buy with your wind uh, wind uh, equipment or whatever your windmills and stuff but none of them did none of them were forced to because it wasn't uh, a priority right it was another regulation that gets in the way they want to overregulate people but then deregulate business it's kind of kind of funny just be blessed. it's not a conspiracy anymore people are proving it every day that it's real right like, that's what I mean when I said I didn't know what to talk about because a lot of the conspiracies I thought about before are coming true. You know what I mean? Like, the 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 truth's coming out or whatever about a lot of the things, and they aren't conspiracies anymore. It's becoming crimes.
1: It's a wild, wild ro- world we live in. Welcome to 2021, man.
0: Yeah, kind of like the unveiling or whatever is happening almost. Uh,
1: that, that happened a few years ago. This is just wrapping up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, and sharing your story and stuff and having some good times and sharing some good stories and stuff, dude. But I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Uh,
0: cheers, bud.
1: Thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you got some great value from it. You know, Matt is getting better and better at his urban farming. He's come such a long ways and I'm so proud of him as a brother But yeah, if you would like to go follow his ventures with his urban farming, go to Forage and Feast Urban Farm over on Instagram and you'll find him there. You can connect with him if you're out in the greater Victoria area. He would love to connect and help you build a garden. Episode 58 will be with serial entrepreneur Amanda Catherine who hails from the Kitchener, Ontario area of Canada here. She's also formerly from The Rock. You know, she did this, built her foundation from the ground up you know working hard every day of her life you know providing for her family and stuff she also has a degree in kinesiology from wilfrid Laurier university she used to be a health and wellness coach for many big corporations running their health programs you know keeping people fit and healthy at their jobs and helping all these big corporations out she also has a awesome business out of the kitchener market guys called mvp meals she has lots of meal prepping Anything you want, she will create. Can't wait to bring you episode 58. I hope you have a great rest of your week, everyone.